0: This is PhotoVizX episode number 529 and today we are staying with the same topic as last week. We are talking stock photography and how you can generate an income if you want to pursue stock photography as an additional source of income for your photography business or if you want to go all in. Our special guest is Caro Telfer who is based in rural Western Australia, and she has found stock photography has changed the way she's doing business. That interview is coming up in just a minute.
1: Are you planning to have a successful wedding and portrait photography business? Join Andrew as he interviews successful photographers and business experts
0: to fast track your success. Welcome to the
1: Photo Biz Exposed podcast with your host, Andrew Helmich.
0: Hey, it's Andrew Helmichi, host of the Photo Biz X podcast, where I interview guests from around the world to help you build a better photography business even faster than going it alone. I have to say right off the bat today, I am in a very public space while I'm recording today's intro and outro. I'm actually in the Graz Hauptbahnhof in Austria, so that's the main train station in Graz in Austria. Linda and I are taking a train later today, well, in an hour or so up to the Czech Republic, and this was my chance to record the intro and outro for today's episode. So yeah, you're going to hear a lot of background noise, but I promise you won't have that for the actual interview with Caro, which is coming up in just a minute. Now, if you didn't catch last week's episode with Claire Bonner, she is the owner of the Oz Stock Photo Library, and it was Caro that originally told me and introduced me to Claire which led to last week's episode. And if you didn't hear that one, get back and have a listen to that one, particularly if you have any interest at all in shooting stock. It turns out that it is still a viable business opportunity. There is an opportunity there to make an income. Stock libraries like Claire's are still looking for photography even with the onset of ai these libraries still need photographers to be producing stock for them to sell so there is an opportunity for you to bring in some additional income if you like now following that episode or that interview with claire i thought wouldn't it be great to get on an actual photographer that is shooting stock and making income and that's why i chased caro up for this episode today so the two go hand in hand. Get back and have a listen to Claire. If you haven't heard that one, it will mean that Caro's interview today makes a lot more sense. Or you could do it either way around. You're listening to Photo Biz Exposed with your host, Andrew Helmich. Now, there is one more thing I do want to jump into before we get into the interview with Caro. And it involves a fantastic meetup that Linda and I had the opportunity to make this week or late last week with Darko Mares. Darko is a PhotobizX Premium member. He's a headshot and branding based portrait photographer who lives and works from Croatia. And like I said, Linda and I had the chance to meet up with him last week on our way to Zagreb in the beautiful town or small city of Verazdan. And not only did Darko take some time out of his day to meet up with us on what was a stinking hot and humid day, he introduced us to some incredible food and wine. My new favorite drink, my new favorite summertime alcoholic drink known as Gemisht in Croatia, which is basically a mixture of white wine and sparkling mineral water. It was so refreshing. It's my go-to drink in the summer days. And hopefully it's something I can still have back in Australia as well. But (laughs) with all that aside, and in addition to Darko being the incredible travel guy that he was, I'll say a little bit more about that in just a minute. We did talk business. And one of the things that absolutely blew me away was hearing him say that because of Photo he was able to leave his past job in IT, pursue photography full time. And he's worked his way into a market which is virtually untouched in Croatia as a business portrait or headshot and branding photographer. Not only does he service his local area, he travels all around Croatia photographing business headshots for his clients. Uh, it's just amazing to, to know that the podcasts and the interviews that I record can you know make a difference to a photographer on the other side of the world. It really was mind-blowing. And obviously we talked all about his business what he's doing, how he's generating the clients that he is, and most of it, which you would expect as a business and branding photographer, is via LinkedIn. He's using a lot of videos, he's doing interviews, he's posting daily on LinkedIn, and business is rocking along beautifully for Darko, which was, yeah, again, just amazing and so good to hear. Now, we were talking about the way he does business and we were talking about all the different apps and services that we all as photographers use, things like Dropbox, Zoom, Calendly, Acuity, all these things that we pay monthly for. And these are things that get talked about a lot inside the PhotobizX Premium Members Group. But one thing I haven't heard suggested or mentioned is exactly what Darko's doing. He's utilizing Google and their suite of tools to have one service that he's paying for, that basically makes the others obsolete. So, and, and I wasn't aware this was even possible. You might be, but he's using appointment scheduling built into Google that does exactly the same as Calendly and Acuity. I didn't even know that was an option. And it, obviously it syncs beautifully with Google Calendar and also with his Gmail. He's using Google Meet instead of Zoom when he needs to have in-person work, if he needs to have online meetings face-to-face with his clients. So, and this again is built into the Google suite of business tools, is using Google Drive, which comes as part of the same service instead of Dropbox to supply files to clients. There are so many different options here that when you register for a Google account, a paid Google account, a business account, I don't know, I just wasn't aware that these tools were available and included with the business suite of tools. So if you are a newer photographer or if you're looking to cut down on your outgoings or you're looking for alternatives to multiple different apps that you're utilizing in your business have a look at the google business suite prices are pretty good too from what i can see you know google meet is free for users up to 100 participants and you get 60 minute calls and you can have that for as little as six us dollars a month if you go to the next plan up 12 us dollars you get the scheduling you get google meet You get Google Drive Space and all the other things like a personalized Gmail account with your own business URL included. So yeah, it was really cool to hear about that. I just didn't know it was available. And it's definitely worth checking out if you do want to save on your outgoings or just utilize one service to do multiple things. Now, just to finish off, if you have any intention of heading over to Zagreb or Croatia, feel free to get in touch with me and I will forward you the incredible emails that Darko prepared for me or reach out to Darko himself. He was an incredible travel guide. He had so many great suggestions. When we got to Zagreb, we followed his email. It was like being on that reality TV show. The name escapes me. Was it the race around the world or something like that where you had to find clues before you can move on to the next thing. Well, Darko created a sequence of things that we had to see and do and experience through Zagreb that made it like being on that reality TV show, it was so much fun. We had a, a fantastic day or two following along his suggestions in addition to eating the food and drinking the drinks that he uh, suggested as well. So, again, massive thanks, Darko. I really do appreciate it. It was so good to sit down and chat with you, even in what felt like the 40-degree and 100% humidity temperatures. Photobizx.com.
1: Real advice. Real strategies and real ideas to build your photography business.
0: Alrighty, we're going to jump into this interview with Caro Telfer in just a second. If you are hearing this announcement, it does mean you are listening to the free version of the podcast. Now what that means is you won't hear the full interview today with Caro. I am saving a large portion or most of the second half for premium members only. So if you're loving what you hear in the first half and you'd like to access the full interview, you can do that for as little as $1.00 with a 30-day trial membership. And there are more details about that over at photobizx.com forward slash try. Welcome to another great eye for business. It's time for Andrew's special guest. Today's guest, Caro Telfer, was the catalyst for last week's interview with Claire Bonner of Photo, the Australian-based stock library. Now, Caro sent me a message about supplying stock photography to the library, and she said, I'm not quite making a living out of it, but it's given me a new option and changed the way that I work. So far, I have about 5,000 images on the AusDoc Photo website. And until last year, which was a disaster health-wise for me, I had been adding on average 1,000 new photos each year. And last year, my gross sales came to just under $20,000. Considering that when I first signed up, I was hoping to cover my weekly coffee spend, it has exceeded my expectations. So following the super informative interview with Claire, I was keen to learn more about shooting for a stock library from the perspective of a working photographer. And I am rapt to say that I have Caro with us now. Caro, welcome. How are you? Hi,
1: Andrew. I'm well, thank you.
0: So I say Caro because that's what you go by, but that's short for Caroline. Is that right?
1: It is short for Caroline because I was originally actually Caroline and then sort of became Caroline when people started calling me that and then So rather than having to explain it, we just say (laughs) carrow.
0: Nice. Now, I did a bit of research. and Tell me if I'm wrong here, but it looks like you're based in Darkan, WA, and it says, or Google says, there's a population of 403 people. (laughs) Is that true?
1: I guess they're probably talking about the town. I don't live in town. I live 20 kilometres away on a farm. And I think in the whole shire, which is quite a large shire, there's less than 800 people all up, so probably, yeah. That be right
0: wow so before you got into you know supplying the stock photos for the stock library and making some income that way like how do you survive as a photographer in such a remote area
1: well needless to say most of my clients aren't local <laughs> i was doing a bit of commercial stuff and when you're in a small town you do everything in town of course you know you do passport photos and family photos and baby photos and community events and all those sort of things but um doing commercial shoots and um, I've got another business called Australian Farm Albums. So I travel around, you know, I don't mind doing a bit of a drive because that's what you do when you live in the country. And, yeah, so I wasn't making a lot of money. I still have one child who's at home and doesn't have a driver's licence. So, you know, I'm not making a lot of money, but I'm fitting it in around family and
0: everything else. Nice. Nice. So when you say, you know, you don't mind a bit of a drive and you sort of have to get used to that living as remotely as you do and other people around you, like how far do you have to travel to go to town to go shopping?
1: Uh, Well, the nearest town, Collie, is about three quarters of an hour, 60K to get there and then an hour and a half to get to Bunbury, which is the big, you know, if you need like clothes or um, parts or machines or anything like that.
0: Right. So the bigger shopping's in Bunbury, that's an hour and a half away.
1: Yes. Yeah. And I used to have kids going to school there, so that was easy. You know, you'd go there on a you know, Friday or a Monday morning when you'd take kids back to boarding school and that was that worked in really well, but now I don't have any kids at boarding school anymore.
0: <laughs> so tell me about the stock library. Like how did you even get started in it? Did you see like an ad pop up? Did you just did you talk to another photographer? Why did you or how did you get started in stock photography?
1: <laughs> to tell the truth, I cannot remember exactly how i found out about it um i presume i don't know must have been online somewhere i suppose and so for a start i just went through my old photos and well you know you have to make a submission and they'll see if they like your photos and accept you and i just went through my archive and found a few photos to put up and that's how i started
0: and did you go straight to ausstock photo and are they the only photo library that you're supplying photos to
1: Yes, I haven't done the micro stock route. I didn't see any point in doing that. I did actually become contributed to another stock photo library, although I haven't gone anywhere with that. It was because they do video, but I have heard, I don't know if I'm allowed to say, but um, I think our stock photo is going to be introducing video soon. So instead of uploading my videos to the other one, I thought I'll wait because it's just easier to have it all in one place. And I also don't want to um, water down my commission for my stock photo because if you contribute exclusively you get a higher commission rather than spreading it out and i know that you know it's presumably it limits your audience to australian buyers but it's a fair bit of work having to submit the photos and you know add all the details so yeah i don't want to duplicate that i guess
0: no that makes sense yeah and claire did say that uh, you know you get a better commission if you supply her photo library exclusively. And I guess that's probably the same arrangement with other photo libraries. Let me ask you, when you go out to shoot, are you shooting specifically for the stock library or are you shooting for a client and hoping to use their photos for the stock library?
1: A bit of both, but more and more now I'm doing it specifically for the stock photo library. And a bit of background here, I mentioned mental health. Well, I'm one of those mature women who's been late diagnosed with ADHD and that sort of go, oh, that explains a lot of why I I found it difficult to get my work done on time or actually invoice people after I'd done the work and that sort of stuff. So I'm finding that rather than having to shoot two client specs and get the work to them on time and stuff, for me, it's feeling a lot better, me coming up with the ideas and shooting to what I'm wanting, which I know the library wants, and um, and doing it that way rather than Yeah. So less and less shooting client staff more and more shooting just for stock. And that's also because I've had a bit of injury and illness, which has stopped me from taking on more work. So yeah, that's in the last year, that's what's come about really.
0: Okay. So I'm guessing with the stock library and from what you said in your messages to me and also from what Claire shared, the more that you keep contributing to the library, the higher your commission payments year after year, and it basically grows exponentially because you keep adding to the amount of stock you've already supplied in past years.
1: Yeah, I mean, the price of the photos doesn't go up and my commission doesn't go up. It's just that I've got more photos there. And and um, when I first started, as I said, I went through my library and found, oh, here's a photo of some sheep in a pen. I'll put that up. Oh, here's a photo of somebody on a tractor. I'll put that up. Whereas now when I'm doing a shoot, I'll think, okay, I'm shooting for stock. Um, I'll have someone on a tractor. I'll have some close-ups I'll have some of them in the tractor I'll have some of them out of the tractor I'll have some horizontal some vertical I'll do some wide angle shots with lots of copy space I'll do some with shallow depth of field I'll do you know you sort of that helps the buyer and it gives you more chance of selling something if they're looking for a particular photo for them to have a choice and say oh I prefer the one where they're looking at the camera rather than where they're looking away or whatever that I think that helps.
0: Where did you learn to do all those things? Is that in a set of guidelines that comes from the stock library? They do have a set of
1: guidelines that can help, yes, which will give you ideas doing those sort of things, um, give you a bit of an idea of what people might want to use them for. So if you want a double-page spread, maybe you want the subject on one side and not on the other. So to offset, you know, do things off-centre, uh, do shallow depth of field, yeah, just the variety. I think they do have I – I haven't looked at it for years actually to see what they actually say, but it does give you some guidelines, yes.
0: Right. So you, I guess from experience too, so you know that if you give more variety, you're going to sell more images and give them – by giving them more choices. So what I'd love for you to do, Caro, is just tell us about the last job or shoot you did for stock. Can you remember or do you do you have a shoot in mind? <laughs>
1: oh Well, I'll, I'll do the one that the uh, – I'll stop organized so Claire actually put a call out. Did she tell you she sometimes puts calls out for models? Yes. So this was for kids sport. Right. And so she put a call out and somebody from Western Australia replied and said that they were a a netball coach or something and she had a child and they could get hold of some other kids. So Claire organised that and I went and did the shoot, which was great. And you know most of the kids had never been in front of a camera for that sort of thing before so it's um hard trying to tell kids don't look at the camera because they're taught all the time look at the camera and smile and you go no look at the ball or look at your partner or um yeah so she organized that so I went and did that and we had the kids in their football well some of them had football uniforms some had football boots some didn't so we but they all put football uniforms on and did some you know this is Australian rules football, of course. Some handballing, some kicking, some running, some, you know, coaching different aspects of football. And so I'll do some where there's a close up of just a kid holding a ball where you can't see their face or, you know, tying their shoelaces or the coach talking to them with, you just see the back of their head, that sort of thing. And then they swapped and played netball and I did some photos of them playing netball. And at the moment, <laughs> The football photos with Claire because it was I said I just don't have the time. Because for stock photos you have to get rid of all the logos and advertising and branding. And these football jumpers, jerseys, yansies, whatever, that they were wearing were replicas of a an AFL football team. So Claire's outsourced to get them to just change the colour a bit so that it doesn't look like a particular team and take out all the branding and can you imagine like a football someone's holding the football and it's got the brand of the football and it's in between their fingers or you know it's a lot of a lot
0: of Photoshop work there. For sure. Just tell me, why were you trying to hide their faces? Like, didn't you go into that job or didn't they go into it knowing that they were going to be used for stock photos and then sign oh,
1: sorry. Them? Some of them have their faces. Some don't. That was just an example.
0: Sorry. Oh, okay. Right. Okay. So just tell me how that works. So Claire puts a call out. She wasn't only putting a call out to photographers. She was putting a call out to people that are involved in sports. So where is she putting that call out to?
1: She's putting that, oh, I can't remember what the site's called. It's a special one where... Models can put up if they're wanting jobs and photographers. It's for all sorts of um, actors and models and things. And someone replied and she organized it.
0: Are you going out there to shoot on spec for free and then hope that you sell some images or are you getting paid to go and do that shoot?
1: I don't get paid to do that shoot and I have to sign a thing to say that I will upload at least so many photos to the library within so many days, blah, blah, blah.
0: Right. Okay. So you go out there, do the shoot, and then hopefully you get enough Great photos that you're going to make some sales in the stock library, you know, that's going to pay for that time and the effort and the skills that went into that shoot.
1: That's right. And you don't necessarily make enough money to cover that in, you know, the first even year or whatever. But what I'm trying to do is set it up so that I'm getting income even when I'm not shooting in the future.
0: Yeah, got it, got it. Yeah, because you might be getting paid for those same football or netball photos in five years' time. That's right. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping. They become an asset. Mm. Okay, so tell me about the shoots that you do, you know, on spec. Like I looked at your profile on the stock library, you know, and I've seen like um a road worker holding a stop go sign. So is that like were you just pulled over on the side of the road by a, a stop slow road worker and asked to photograph him, or did you set that up?
1: I set that up. I organized, it. I spoke to our local Shire Works Manager and said I'd really like to get some photos of workers in high-vis and what are they doing? He said, oh, we're working down your way next week if you come out Monday morning. And I explained that it was for the stock photo library, but I will give photos to the Shire as well. So the Shire is able to use those photos for their purposes as well, like if you know, annual reports or website or whatever. And I also give copies to the people that I photograph and some, um, they were all happy with that, so I didn't pay them for that because they were. I said, "You just do what you're doing, and I'll take photos of you while you're doing it, rather than actually getting them to model."
0: Right. So you just turn up to the worksite, document what you see, and then obviously you just call them or get them to look at the camera if you want one looking at the camera, but otherwise they're just normal working shots, totally candid. That's right. That's right.
1: I didn't say, hey, get that road roller to, no, I just photographed what it was doing. And I was able to have a chat because it wasn't a very busy road. So I was able to say, hey, do you mind standing a bit closer to the, you know, further away, whatever. But that worked fine.
0: Okay. So did you know that Claire was looking for photos for the library with people in high-vis?
1: Probably not particularly. I just thought that was a Something that might
0: be interesting, yeah. No, I didn't. Okay. All right then. So then you contact the works manager. I'm guessing he gets permission or gives permission. Does he have to sign a model release or is it only the people that you're photographing that signed the model release?
1: Um, only the people that I was photographing, but the CEO sh- signed a property release for
0: me. Okay. A property release. Is that saying the photos of the property or the property?
1: No, no, the uh, machinery and
0: Oh, okay. Right. Okay. Because they own the machinery. And then tell me the contracts, because I didn't ask Claire this. So she talked about the contracts and model releases. Are they a digital release or do you have things printed out where people just sign up with pen and then you post them or take a photo of them and send them to Claire?
1: There are both actually. I use easy release sometimes and sometimes I use paper. Say for the kids' sport one, we were able to email that. Well, Claire did that, but email the form to them and then the parents signed them and then I picked them up when I did the photo shoot.
0: Okay, so what's easy release? Is that an app, is it?
1: Easy release is an app that you can have on your iPad or iPhone. And I've got paid version of that where you can customize the wording. And I use it on my iPad with my Apple pencil and it's easy for people to sign and you can, you know, take a photo of the property or the person while you're doing it and it's automatically put in there. Otherwise the Paper ones, I have to you know print out a photo of them later and glue it on and scan
0: it and get clear. Okay, so with that contract or that model release is that just purely giving you copyright and the ability to license the photo, or is, is it say something there about Ostok Photo?
1: No, it doesn't say. Ah, uh, doesn't say AusDoc Photo. Although I think the one that Claire sent to the people said Ostok Photo. It is for stock photography.
0: Okay, it's a general stock photography model release. Yes. Okay, is the wording in that easy for your photography subjects to read and understand, or do you have to go through and explain it to them?
1: I generally do explain it to them, and I also show them examples of where my photos have been used at other times so that they can see what might happen to their photos. Because I, as I'm, it's important to say that I can't say where they're going to be used, so I don't have a you know, a veto on that some people, after they've given you a model release, decide that they change their mind. My daughter did it after she left school and had a new group of friends, so um, I had to contact Claire and get them to take down all her photos. Oh, gosh. Still haven't forgiven her for that, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I had some great photos of a girl shearing a sheep, anyway. <laughs> oh,
0: that's a shame. Okay, so basically that's a legal and binding contract. So if some of those photos of those girls had already been used, then there's nothing they can do about it. It's only they don't want you to sell them in the future.
1: That's true, yes,
0: yeah. Okay.
1: It was when she was on the cover of a um, rural medical magazine and one of her friends saw it that she decided perhaps she didn't want to do that anymore.
0: Wow, okay. That's a shame. All right, so you get the model releases and then are you responsible to keep hold of those and archive those or did you just send them to Claire and let her look after all that?
1: No, I archive them at my end and I scan them. And when I upload a photo of that person, well, when I submit it to the library, I have to upload the release and then every photo that has that person in it, I have to link it to that release.
0: Okay. So just tell me how that works. So let's say you come back from the photo shoot with the council and the workers and the machinery and the high-vis. How many photos would you come back roughly from a shoot like that?
1: Well, probably four or 500 maybe. I like the sound of that click, you know.
0: (laughs) So do you actually use most of those or do you put them in a photo mechanic and do a cull and get rid of a lot of them?
1: Uh, I've never got a hang of photo mechanics, so I do it manually. Right. (laughs) Which takes a lot of time. And I'm getting better at deleting photos now. And, yeah, and then I'll sort of go through the ones that are left and in Lightroom and just pick the ones that I think are okay. And then after a while, you know, after a break, I'll come back and go through them just, you know, with a black screen with just with the photo and look at it and I'll know by then that they're all in focus or whatever and I just have to pick the ones that I think are good and then I'll rate them, rank them in Lightroom and then the top-ranking ones I'll upload to the library.
0: Okay, hang on a second. So do you rename them and you do any kind of colour correction or edit or exposure, anything like that on them?
1: Yes, I do all that on them. Okay. The ones that are going – To the library, yes. I don't rename anything, never rename photos. I upload them with their date and their file name.
0: Okay, So, and then you must be assigning some metadata?
1: Yes, yes. I've got all the um, preset metadata in Lightroom and then as I upload, so those ones of the workers, I would put in some general keywords that describe those photos and then they'll automatically get uploaded when I um, upload them to the library.
0: Okay, so give me an example. Let's say there's a, um, a female council worker in high-vis operating a roller, uh, a rolling machine. Yep, that will be the
1: description of the photo. That will be the description of the photo. And, you know, I sort of do this when I'm walking along. I'll be walking along the road and I'll be going tree, eucalypt, leaves, flower, bark, vegetation, flora. You know, as I'm walking along, I'll be thinking of words to describe what I'm seeing. And so it's important to get the right words, and so I think that helps people define them, and that's probably.
0: My keywording. Right, So the better and more accurate your keywording is, the more likely it is your photos are going to be found and used and sold or bought.
1: Yes, I think that's the case.
0: Okay, so you add all your metadata, you've kept the same file name, you've done an exposure adjustment. Claire said you don't do any vignetting or anything like that. you leave it pretty clean. Where is the photo of the contract or the digital file of a contract, the model release?
1: I upload them to the stock photo library. But before I need to assign anything like that, I put my photos, I upload my photos. And then the Oz stock photo curators will go through and choose just because I think they're the, the good photos. They will reject some. And once they have selected the ones they want, they're in our folder online. And then I go through them, and that's when I edit the photos in more detail. So for a start, I won't bother taking off all the logos or, you know, if I've got a bit of a dirt spot in the sky, I won't photoshop that out or anything until they're actually accepted and I'm uploading them to the library. And then as I upload them, I can choose all the ones with one person in and say, assign this model list for that person.
0: Right, okay, and I'm assuming that if you have two or three or more people in a single photo, then you need a separate model release for each of those people that you can see. Yep, yeah. Right, so you're basically just basically creating a link between the model release and the person in the photo. Do you do that digitally on their software? Oh,
1: there's some magic database thing in the background, but just, yeah, I don't know how it works. I just do it on the user end, you know?
0: Yep, sure. Okay, got it. Okay then, so that all makes sense and then what happens, you don't really do anything, then you rely on Claire and her team to make those images findable with buyers.
1: I have to put all the. I have to write a description as you did, you know, female worker in high-vis driving a roller, whatever. I have to put where it's taken. I have set up albums in my back end there where I can assign it to women, I can assign it to workers, I can assign it to rural so that I've got different albums that people can browse. Then there are the basic stop photo categories that you have to choose which one it goes in. And I have to do the keywords and the model release and tick that it's exclusive. And then I upload. They'll come back and say, Ah, can you please you forgot to edit out this or can you please, you know, improve it somehow?
0: Right. Okay. So this is so it's quite a bit of work. It's pretty involved to get photos into the library
1: that's probably why i've got about um how many photos have i got sitting there waiting to be submitted <laughs> i've got about 500 sitting there waiting to be submitted i think um no 432 there you go
0: right so these are good photos that you want to put up into the library
1: these are photos that have been accepted and all it needs is for me to get off my backside and do all the keywording. i actually started paying one of my daughters to do a bit of it when she wasn't busy. But, yeah, it it is a fair bit of work, but once you've done it, they're there. And I'm sure other people do it quicker than I do.
0: Okay. So it's obviously, I mean, I know it's a lot of work, but it's not enough work that actually stops you from doing it because you're seeing the return.
1: If you weren't selling anything, it wouldn't be worth it. And if you weren't getting paid a decent amount for it, it wouldn't be worth it, but it is worth it, yeah.
0: So how often do you get an email or see something from Claire and you think, oh, I'm going to go out and shoot that? Like, does that happen very often?
1: They sometimes request things. If people have looked on the library and haven't been able to find what they were looking for, they will request it. Um, but I'm usually just thinking of things for myself to do.
0: Okay, so what's the next shoot you think you might go out and do for stock?
1: Uh, I've got to get back in touch with uh, same-sex couples that I met who were keen, but then I, um, as I said, I... I fell over and broke my arm last year, and was out of it for a while. And now I've got back problems, and yeah, it's been a bit of a mess. But anyway, I'm getting back into it. So there's the same-sex couple that I'd like to do some work with, like you know, home scenes and gardening or whatever.
0: Right. And is that an idea that you've got, or do you see there's a need or a a want for those images?
1: I follow a bit of what's happening in the stock industry, so you knowing that. Gender diversity, uh, racial diversity, uh, different abilities, disabilities, that sort of thing's really the go at the moment. So I um, sort of need to, I guess, focus on those areas if I think it's going to be um, more sought after.
0: Yeah, sure, okay.
1: And being in Australia, Aboriginal people, I've done a fair few shoots with Aboriginal people which have been – Really sought after because I think um, I try to take photos of people being normal people, no matter what their background. So rather than having the traditional, I don't know, dot painting thing, whatever you or you know, someone being pushed in a wheelchair or whatever, you do you photograph them as people behaving normally, doing what people do, rather than focusing on the difference. Right. And I think that makes a difference,
0: yeah. Cool. All right. I'm going to come back and ask you something about the Aboriginal subjects or clients, even when you get those. But with the same-sex couple, what's in it for them? Why would they say yes to having a photo shoot and then having their photos put on a stock library?
1: Because they'll get some beautiful photos for themselves. I was offering them some nice photos of themselves.
0: Right, that's the big selling point for any subject or any potential client, if you want to call them that, that's going to go into the stock library. They're going to get some nice photos of themselves. And in, in the case of the council workers, the council was going to get some great photos for their own marketing if they wanted to use them that way.
1: Yeah. And the individuals got them as well. You know, I saw someone changing her Facebook profile picture and that sort of thing.
0: <laughs> got it, got it. With the Aboriginal people that you photograph, I know that, you know, when I'm watching TV in Australia, that I'll see things like, you know, this show or, you know, could uh what does it say it says something like you know could feature people that are no longer with us or that are deceased now so i know there's some cultural thing with aboriginals where you're not meant to show photos or see photos of them if once they're passed away is that right
1: Ah, oh, that depends which people you're talking about i think it's some um, a bit different in different areas and the Oddstop photo library does have that on their website warning people but yeah i mean some people get so chuffed when they see their photo printed somewhere or on a website, and then other people get, oh, my God, I'm such a loser. I'm on this brochure in the doctor's surgery that says, are you feeling down or, you know, their friend goes to a doctor's surgery and sends them a photo. Is
0: this you? (laughs) So hypothetically, could I have my photo taken by you and then I end up in a doctor's surgery on a pamphlet for sexually transmitted diseases? Like, Could that happen?
1: It shouldn't happen unless there's been approval because when people buy photos from the library, it says, you know, this is the uses that you can use them for and you can't use it in a way that suggests that this person has, you know, a criminal history or a mental illness or a, you know, sexually transmitted disease or something. So it shouldn't happen. No doubt it does. But there's an option for people who want to use it like that to get permission and pay an extra fee to make
0: sure that it's okay. Got it. Got it. Okay. And how often in your experience as a supplier to a stock photo library, have you had knockbacks from people? People say, no, not interested. Don't want my photo. Don't take my photo.
1: Yeah, it happens because I don't have a problem going up to people and saying, oh my God, look at you. I'd love to take photos of you. And here's my card. Mostly people like yeah, mate will have a bit of a joke and go, <laughs> your modelling career is taking off or something. Um, yeah, some people reject me, but you've got to be, be uh, able to accept that, I think.
0: Yeah, for sure. Okay, so you not experiencing enough of a pushback to make you that uncomfortable that you wouldn't keep going?
1: No, no.
0: Well, that's good. Do you find that if you go into town now or you're going for a walk or a drive, like is your camera always with you? Are you always looking out for stock photo opportunities or are all these shoots – Uh, you might see someone and have to set it up rather than shooting it, you know, on the spot.
1: Premium members of Photo Biz Exposed
0: hear more of the best photography business strategies
1: from every guest.
0: But look, you know what, I agree. I think that's what makes this so accessible for the listener, for any photographer that knows their craft, because we can see light. We can see how to frame an image how to compose an image and see when it looks natural and when it doesn't look natural. And that's what you've captured with these worker photos that I'm looking at. And, yeah, look, someone with an iPhone can probably get one or two of these, but as a photographer, we can go out and get 100 of these you know, in a session, which is what separates us from an amateur photographer.
1: Yeah, and if you're thinking of stock photography, as I said, oh, guess what? I just had a message coming up saying, you've made a sale. One or more of your images has just sold. That's interesting. <laughs>
0: nice. So, do they give you a value as well, Caro, or does it just tell you one sold?
1: Um, size large, basic license. My commission is $37.50. But there's two of them, both including toddlers. Nice. Or young kids.
0: So, there you go. So, that's $37.50 just goes. Does that go down straight into your PayPal account, to your bank account? Does it come at the end of the month?
1: It comes at the end of the month, yeah. And I pay GST on it and all that sort of thing.
0: Yep, sure. Awesome. Cara, look, again, massive thanks for coming on and sharing everything you have. It's been enlightening for me getting your message and then interviewing Claire and then hearing your side of it as well. So, again, massive thanks for coming on and sharing what you have and congrats on the success you're finding with the with the Stock Photo Library.
1: Okay, thanks, Andrew. Sorry I wasn't as brilliant as I could have been. But anyway, um, thank you for the chat and hope it helps some people because I was, I mean, I'd been wanting to talk to people who are doing stock and I hadn't been able to find anything that was not just... Micro stock where you
0: get a bit ripped off, I think. Well, I should have asked you, what's micro stock?
1: You know, those ones where they pay you 22 cents for an image or something?
0: Right. I, mean, I can't understand that photographers upload to uh, Unsplash. Yeah, well, you don't get paid anything. Yeah. Well,
1: what I can't understand, I can't understand Australian companies downloading free photos and putting them on their websites or on their articles and they're obviously not Australian photos.
0: Yeah. hope you enjoyed that interview with caro as much as i did caro thank you again so much for coming on for sharing everything you did i know it was a little nerve-wracking but you did amazingly well and uh, shared everything that i could ask you to and i'm sure the listeners will have got a ton from what you had to share so again massive thanks for you the listener i do hope i am right in saying all that if you do have a follow-up question for caro you can hit her up in the premium members facebook group if you're a premium member otherwise you can leave a comment in the comments area of the show notes this week they're at photobizx.com forward slash 529 the comments area is at the very bottom of the page or you can reach out to Caro personally I've got links to anything and everything that she mentioned in the show notes for today's episode in addition to that I've got examples of her fantastic work her stock photography work in the show notes as well plus links to where you can find her gallery on Oz Stock Photo Alrighty, that is it for this episode of the podcast. I'm going to get this edited. Try and reduce the noise, the background noise as much as I can before it goes out to you. And I do hope the audio is listenable for you. Big thanks again to Caro. Also to Darko for being the tour guide for Croatia. It was so good to catch up with you in person, mate. And for you, the listener, I hope you have an incredible week ahead. Stay safe, healthy and well. And I will talk to you soon. Bye for now.
1: enjoyed this episode head to photobizx.com join the conversation leave a comment and share your thoughts on the interview with andrew and today's special guest